Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 411. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today we've got Kevin Rakestraw. Hey, Kevin. Hi. Yeah, this week on the show, we'll be talking about The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. And we'll also be going over something we're watching on the watch list and going over this week's new releases in theaters, VOD and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Please remember to review us on iTunes if you get a moment. That would be very helpful. Uh, no, no real housekeeping and to go over this week. We we lined up uh, the this month's Saved by the 90s. We have a theme lined up. We have the movies picked out. And we're going to re- record that on the Monday the 14th. So next Monday. And then it'll be out shortly thereafter. So stay tuned for that. Uh, I think we can dive straight into our review. The We're talking about The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. This is the third in the Conjuring series, not including the Annabelle movies. I have a synopsis here. The Warrens investigate a murder that may be linked to a demonic possession. This one is directed by Michael Chavez. Kevin, we'll start with you. Actually, we will start with you, but did you see... I know you saw the first Conjuring. Did you see the second one? No. No. Okay. It's not. Did not see this. Did not see the second Conjuring. How many like Conjuring or Conjuring adjacent movies are there? Well, there's the. I know there was Annabelle because, and then how many Annabelles are there? There's there's three Annabelle movies. There's three fucking Annabelles. Yeah. Jesus Christ. There's three. There's yeah. There's three Annabelles. There's the Nun, and then there's now three Conjuring movies. Jesus. I will say the Annabelle movies, uh, the, the first one was, was f- all right. Um, I, if I remember correctly, uh, I was really impressed with the Annabelle, the sequels, Annabelle creation and Annabelle comes home. I think Annabelle creation. That's the one that's like probably better than some of the conjuring movies. Anyway, yeah, you have the nun, and then you have three Annabelles, now three Conjurings. So that's all part of the same universe. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, to be clear, like, you don't have to see... They're they're all sort of separate stories. So it's not really... I I think seeing the first one is probably good, because it'll give you, like, a baseline on how these movies play out, and and and, and it's an introduction to the Warrens, too. Yeah, but yeah. they're all kind of standalone cases. So anyway, which if you if you remember, you can remember back that far. The first Conjuring, I was not that impressed with it. I liked it quite a bit. It, it just didn't really do anything for me. I just I thought it was bland. I didn't find it particularly scary in any way. The most I remember from it is I think there was a wardrobe, and I think like a chair moved, and that was supposed to be scary. So going into this one, didn't have high expectations, had no expectations really, and honestly, wasn't that excited going in. And guess what? I just found this to be extremely mediocre. Like, it's not a bad movie. It's not good by any stretch. It's just, it exists. And that's about it. Yeah, I completely agree with you. As a you know horror nut i watch a lot of horror movies a lot of supernatural horror movies and uh you know a lot of them especially the modern ones they play out 
pretty pretty much the same. You know, it's it's definitely a formula by this point. And mm-hmm. you know, I was kind of thinking like in recent years we've seen a little bit of a pullback in supernatural like conventional supernatural horror. We've seen more of this like uh like folklore, this folk horror. You know, with with movies like Hereditary being so popular and then you know, Midsummer and The Witch and all of that. So we've seen this kind of big push for for more like folk horror and i was kind of thinking like oh it might be nice to see another like top tier supernatural horror movie see what they do with it you know because this this movie obviously has a bigger budget than a lot of the sort of more indie horror titles that we see um but you know they didn't they didn't really do much here like there's not a lot (laughs) that happens in the conjuring the devil made me do it that's that goes beyond what we've seen before yeah uh, it's, oh yeah i I'm, I'm in agreement with you that like i was entertained by this i don't have any like super negative criticisms with this but at the same time it was still they were just playing within their comfort zone like there wasn't a lot happening in this that was really them thinking outside the box or doing anything new, which sucks because I really like the Warrens as characters. I like I like the dynamic between Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga. I, I think that they're really great actors, and I think that the two of them play a really great couple. And I like the concept of the Conjuring series where it's just these two you know, paranormal investigators and each movie is like a new, a new case, you know, it's like, yeah. it's like the X-Files or some shit. And I like that. But the thing is, they're just not different enough from each other. Like I imagine if they keep making these conjuring movies that eventually after like the next one, we're going to get confused as to what happens in each one. Like they're, they're going to get all mixed up. Like, you know, so many of these other like, franchise movies where you're just like wait which one was that again because it's all the same yeah and i think that's the thing that's really disappointing is that you have a demonic possession movie you know which this used to be the boon in terms of horror you demonic possession oh my god there's so many right and like you said this has a far bigger budget than a lot of indie movies but it just it really plays out like every other demonic possession movie like they don't really do anything new they don't do anything creative um i in terms of budget i don't know where that budget went outside of i guess salaries like <laughs> yeah, there's like, some there's there's a couple just, like bigger bigger moments i guess and then you got some stuff that just, I just, it does nothing for me. And it, it's actually negative, which is, it's a little bit different in terms of it's not an old lady that's naked and scaring someone. It's just an overweight person that's naked. Like, that's supposed to be scary. Like, it's just, well, it's just I, tired. I, it's just tired. I mean, I think maybe the fact that he's a corpse, a reanimated corpse... Yeah. It adds to the fear factor. I know, but why can't... Why is just, the corpse or the, the 
a demon, or anything outside of someone being overweight or an old lady, and they, they, they always got to be naked. One of the well, other. Naturally. Yeah, of course you got to yeah. be naked. Why well, isn't it just like a regular like 43-year-old dude with a dad body that's naked? I, I think that, that I agree with you. I think that that's an old... I, I, don't, I don't know how I feel about that, because I think that in, in some instances that it's playing into our like sort of unconscious biases when it comes to body image where yeah because it's not a what we typically think of as a conventionally attractive body type that it is off-putting to us like on an unconscious level and i i agree with you that i don't think that they should really do that anymore because i I do i do think that it's like not it's not good to to do that but at the same time i think that if it was a just a regular dude you know with a with a normal build that it wouldn't be as scary like i i don't i I mean to be clear i didn't find this to be scary but i'm just saying the way that it'll it it would be perceived by the mass populace like i i didn't find that guy to be i didn't find anything in this movie to be scary to be honest with you yeah i I wasn't scared by anything I no, thought, I'm 100% with you. I thought that there were some cool scenes. Um, there's one scene when Vera Farmiga's character as, uh, as Lorraine is, she's searching for this altar thing. And she's in this like labyrinth, labyrinthian like basement, these tunnels and stuff. And there's this one scene that happens with her where she's like seeing herself. And I thought that that was cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and there's a couple other little flourishes sprinkled in there where I'm just like, oh, that's cool. The waterbed scene I thought was cool. But you see that in the trailer, so that, that's not like a big surprise when it happens. Um, and then there were like some other... Oh, there was one scene that was... Oh, shit. And you know when it happened? It was like somebody turned... It was a scene when someone was being chased and they like morphed into another person. And I was really struggling to remember what movie it was. There was a horror movie that, and I'm pretty sure it was a Giallo, where there was a child running down a hallway, and the way that it was shot, the child sort of morphed into this like creepy guy. And it was such an, an, an disturbing scene, and it was almost like they tried to recreate it in this movie, but it just didn't really work as well. Mm. And I can't remember what the fuck's movie that was. Yeah, the only thing that it gets stuck in my head, anything like along those lines, is "Don't look now." Maybe like that's red, what it was. The slicker, but I don't know if that really like because it was the same size. No, no, maybe. you know what I mean. The stature was the same. It was just the spin around reveal. No, it was a scene where it was uh, it was a child running uh, towards I, I think it was a woman maybe a female character and the child like morphed into a man but the way that it was shot it was just really shocking yeah. hmm. uh, oh no but getting back to the conjuring the devil made me do it uh it's also just i, I found it to be a little bit sloppy in its execution in the sense that like you get, uh, you have it. Starts out with the 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 exorcism, 
and of course Arnie invites the the demon into him and then of course that that plays out the way that it does and it's like they find the totem and they find out like oh okay there's there's something going on we got to find out if if this totem's been found anywhere else and of course you know they find they find out some more information and they're like okay there's there's something going on here but then it's just like there's no like there's no explanation as to like why this curse is a thing like why that this has to happen like it does it happen every so often what's the fact of them being stabbed 22 times it's just like they figure out that there's a curse and then they somehow end the curse but there's there's really nothing outside of that it's just really bare bones which is really confusing in the sense that this movie is pretty long yeah I just don't feel like really enough happened. Like, I don't know outside of like the, the bullet points of this movie. I don't know. Like, I already can't remember what all the filler stuff was. I, I had a hard time understanding the motivations of the, of the antagonist. Like the, the, yeah. Like what was, why? Like, what was the, the, it was just because she was, nuts or like you know that's what i mean like am am i supposed to glean that myself or it's like okay is this is this something that she has to do in order for her soul not to be taken like is that the point of the curse and do you have to do it every so often or is are you just doing this for funsies yeah it's just I don't know, it's weird. Yeah, it's unfortunate. She's not really possessing people, but she kind of is, but she isn't. Like, I don't... And then, you know, but bottom line, at the end of the day, because I... If you make this scary or do some, like, really bad shit, insane stuff, I could I could care less about the logistics of it or, you know, any of that stuff. It could make absolute. It could be absolute nonsense, like dead and buried, and I wouldn't care. But like, you just don't do anything to cover that up, to mask it. There's nothing here that's creative that makes me go, "Well, this doesn't really make sense," but I don't really give a shit because this is kind of awesome. Like that just doesn't happen. Yeah, uh, it's it's unfortunate. I I actually like you. I went into this with no expectations that didn't really expect much out of it. I did see the trailer and the trailer looked decent, but I had a feeling that it was going to be sort of very conventional. And uh, yeah, at the end of the day, it was just another conjuring movie. I mean, it's cool that it takes place in the early eighties. So any, any horror movies that are, that don't, that aren't modern, you know, anything that takes place in the past, I, I immediately, it gets bonus points for me, but uh, the story just wasn't really, really there. And the the thing is, like, they had opportunities. You know, they they could have expanded on the court trial portion of it more, and that might have been more interesting. And then at the end of the movie, they actually play audio clips of like the real, the actual exorcism, and they show stills mm. from the 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 trial and stuff like that. And I'm just like, Oh man, like that's far more horrifying and, and interesting than what we just saw <laughs> in this movie. Yeah. 
And it's interesting that you say about like the these the, the cinematic warns in this movie in the Conjuring series, kind of like X File these these cases because I just recently watched an X Files episode like the day before that was kind of um there was a there was a demon chasing four young women that were like deformed and handicapped in some way and they were actually like kind of angels and all this stuff and like that episode of X Files was far more creative than this movie. And I don't know if like see see part of me thinks like oh well maybe they they're kind of they're held back by trying to adapt a real life story into this. But then if you look at the details of the real life story and you look at like all of the changes that they made to to the movie version of it to you know obviously make it entertaining and and compelling yeah. as a movie um th- it doesn't follow the real story that closely at all so it's like just have fun with it you know go wild ed and lorraine like go nuts like these characters they, they don't necessarily have to follow like the real life cases like yeah. have them dealing with like fucking aliens and shit like have somebody opening up a portal to hell and have lorraine going and go into hell and fuck some demons up or something, you know? Like, I just go nuts with it. Yeah, just want more of the devil. I just want to, like, the devil made me do it. The devil has nothing to do with this movie. Right. Yeah, and I I thought that this was going to have more, and, and it does feel like they sort of get into the whole satanic panic of this era. Yeah, and I thought that it was going to dive a lot more into that, but it really, it doesn't at all. No, no, not at all. Because that would have been, I think that that would have made for a a much more compelling story as well, where it it could act as a commentary on the satanic panic and what was going on in the, uh, the early eighties during this time. And even into the nineties. That, that even shows up throughout my rewatch of the X-Files. There's so many times where it's like a Satanist. Satanist. It's just like, oh yeah, that's right. That's right. That was a part of our history. Everything <laughs> <laughs> was Satanist. Alright, let's go ahead and give The Conjuring the Devil Made Me Do It a score. I'm at like a 4 out of 10 on this one. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of the same. Which even... Saying four to me seems way too high, but at the same time, it's it's like it's not terrible. No, it's a competently it's just, made movie. Yeah, but it's just it's so mediocre. Yeah, yep. it's just you're not gonna remember anything about this outside of the house and that property with the the river behind it. Mm-hmm. I want to live there. That's it. I think that's the only thing I'm gonna remember. Yeah. Uh, well, there you have it. The, the The Conjuring the Devil Made Me Do It is in theaters and on HBO Max right now. So if you want to check it out, I would I would say, I don't know, this is a tough one because like the movie's pretty mediocre, so I wouldn't necessarily recommend seeing it in the theater, but being you know, a horror movie, I think that it might pack a bigger in a, a bigger punch in the theater. I don't know. Maybe. I would say if you have HBO Max, just watch it on there. Yeah, do that. 
All right, uh, let's move on and talk about some of what we're watching. <laughs> Kevin, I believe it is your turn this week. Okay, I watched Good Manners from 2017. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. Bra- Brazilian werewolf movie. Mm-hmm. I finally got around to checking this out. Uh, this is a bit too long, in my view. Uh, it was, honestly, I didn't really know what to expect going in. I knew that it was a werewolf movie, but it wasn't like your conventional werewolf movie. Uh, and that's about all I knew. And it was kind of hard for me to get the drop on this movie. And then the werewolf shows up. And I think the main thing that I took away from this, and I don't think this is the intention, but the werewolf and werewolf design in good manners. Cute as hell. Just absolutely cute. Fucking love this werewolf. Which I guess puts me in the position as the woman raising the werewolf. And I can understand, like, you can't walk away from that werewolf. No. And I would I would protect that werewolf at all costs. And even the kid version, like the non-werewolf kid, I mean, just he looked like a little Diego Luna. <laughs> like He's just, he was, he's just such a nice kid. And you're just, you're rooting for that kid, even though he's a werewolf and he's going to tear people apart at some point when he grows up, he's just going to absolutely murder probably an entire village. But you're like, you know what? Like, we got to give it a shot. We got to see if maybe we can change him. And as far as like a fantasy werewolf type movie, like I pretty, I, I enjoyed this because it was different. You know, mm-hmm. it's a werewolf movie that I haven't seen before. It was a different spin on it. I, yeah, I remember I reviewed this on the site. I gave it a seven out of ten. I, I, I remember really liking this, too. I, th- I can't remember. Uh, I saw New Directors, New Films back in 2018. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. I remember it playing there. That's kind of where I'm at, a seven. Where, like, I'm not completely in love with it, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's unique. Definitely unique. Yeah. All right. Um, I saw Plan B. This is a comedy that's on Hulu. This is a Hulu comedy directed by Natalie Morales. This is sort of a uh, a book smart slash Harold and Kumar slash uh, super bad type movie. It involves uh, two best friends. They're in, I believe, they're in they're seniors in high school, and they go to they're, they're kind of like not not the super popular kids and they end up having a party and one of them has sex she loses her virginity and then she discovers that there there might have been a, a bit of a mishap with the condom and she has to get the plan b pill but the problem is that they're in i believe it's south dakota and mm. the mm. pharmacy won't sell it to her and she doesn't want to get her mom involved because then she thinks like she thinks she'll get in trouble and you know it's embarrassing and all of that and so it turns into this like road trip comedy where these two best friends are trying to get to a planned parenthood that's like several towns over so that she can get the plan b pill before the 24 hour you know period ends Mm -hmm. it's a great concept for for a movie uh the movie's quite enjoyable too. It's really funny. I I I liked the 
the the the two leads uh i don't think i've seen them in anything before but uh they were really really good really natural like they felt like they were close friends uh played by akuhu verma and victoria morales really really good stuff here i enjoyed plan b quite a bit and i can definitely recommend it all right I'm a movie I can't recommend, which pains me. It pains me, Adam, because it's directed, written, edited, composed by none other than Tom Noonan. Tom Noonan, huge fan. Uh, this is 1994. What happened was. Oh, yeah. This, Th- this recently this, like got a remaster or something, right? Yeah. This is on Criterion Channel. Uh, it's him adapting his own play, and despite the early interesting camera work, which he him and uh, cinematographer Joe uh, Joe DeSalvo do some interesting stuff in the beginning to make it a, a little bit more cinematic. Uh, after that initial phase, it just kind of settles into stage play, and it's just it's really uninteresting cinematically speaking, camera work and all that. Um, and it's it, what it is, it comes down to a an extremely awkward date between Karen Sillis and Tom Noonan. She plays Jackie. He plays Michael. And they're having a date. They have this the great chemistry at work, apparently. They work at a law firm. Great chemistry at work. They're deciding to meet up outside of work, and it's very awkward. And I like. I feel like in 1994, maybe this was like just really caught you off guard, and it was really great. But early on, you can tell Tom Noonan's character is just—he's like a big time bullshitter. Like everything that he say, like he's trying to be humble, but he's also like he's just humble bragging essentially. Throughout everything, he's just talking about how like great he is, but he's also trying to downplay it. And very early on, you just get the sense that like, oh well, this is all bullshit. Like he's not, he's nothing. He's a nobody. Which, of course, that's kind of the twist at the end is that he's an absolute nobody. He's he's just a pathetic person. Which you get glimpses of it throughout, and uh, it comes down to him like. He's like, oh, I just watch TV, and I'm just kind of worthless, and I don't know what to do, and I wish somebody would just tell me what to do. And, like, the way it played out for me was just him kind of, like, crying to this woman. He was so much better than him. And he's just essentially being like, I want a mom. I want a mom for a girlfriend. And, like, that's it. It's just, it's a one-room, her apartment, very awkward date that's tough to sit through. And it's just the twist or whatever at the end is him being absolutely pathetic. And then that's it. It's just, it's not for me. It's just, I don't want this movie ever <laughs> or this type of movie. Like, I just know mm. I can't, can't do it. Performances are good. They're good performances. Tom Noonan's doing Tom Noonan, but good God. No, Absolutely not. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Uh, if well, if you're interested, it's called What Happened Was, and that's going to be on uh, Criterion Channel. Uh, the only other one that I saw was uh, called Caveat, 
This is directed by Damian McCarthy. And I believe this is a first. I think this is a debut. If if that's the case, uh, it's a pretty pretty solid debut from this guy. This is on Shutter, and the concept of this movie is you have this guy who is down on his luck. He was in an accident, and he has suffered some memory loss. So there's there's things in his past that he does not remember at all. And this guy approaches him and says, "Hey, you know, we were buddies. I don't know if you remember me, but." I, I I know that you're looking for work. I have a job for you if you want it. Uh, I, I need you to take, just keep an eye on my niece, my adult niece. Uh, she has some, some mental problems and her father just committed suicide. And she's been like hanging out in, in their now abandoned house. And you just need to keep an eye on her. And if you do that, I'll give you like 200 bucks a day. And he agrees to do it. And now first first thing, the house is on a tiny little island and mm-hmm. the guy can't swim. So when he when they get there, he's like, What well, you didn't tell me about this? Like what what what? This house is on a th- I need a bro boat to get over there. I can't swim, so he's like pretty much stuck on the island. Then when they when they get in there, uh he is he discovers that the other rule, the other caveat, if you will, is that he has to wear a leather harness and get chained up in the house because the the woman is so afraid that she's going she's going to be attacked in her sleep at night. Uh, they they say like oh, you got to wear this. Um, it'll allow you to get to most rooms in the house, but the chain will prevent you from entering like her room. And I think like the basement and that's pretty much it. You you can get everywhere else in the house. So at first he's like, no way, like this is crazy. But then like he eventually agrees to do it because he really needs the money. And uh, obviously it was a big mistake. He shouldn't have done that because things quickly get weird and you don't know really what's going on. If there's like a supernatural presence or if, the woman is messing with him. If the guy who hired is messing with him or if he's crazy, like you, you just really have no idea what's going on, but uh, he eventually, he finds a dead body in the house and then things begin to evolve from there. I didn't quite like the, the ending. I, I felt like it didn't quite stick the landing at the end, but I think that everything else in this was compelling enough to warrant a recommendation and it's definitely see i saw this yesterday right uh shortly before i watched the conjuring and i couldn't help but think like this movie's so much better than the conjuring like there's just so much more going on in this movie than yeah. the conjuring that's and it looks thing, better too like that's the thing like it yeah. looks better like the conjuring probably has double the budget of this i don't i don't know what the numbers are exactly but this movie's really great. So if you're looking for a really solid uh, psychological thriller, it's it's an Irish psychological thriller, then uh, yeah, check out Caveat. There's a really creepy bunny doll thing in it too that, that plays a big role. Okay. You see it in the poster there. Yeah, yeah. I was about to ask you what was up with the bunny thing. It, like, so the thing is it's like motorized. So it, it drums. So it has a little drum mm-hmm. and they carry it around to like 
kind of indicate what when like the like spirits are near them like it'll start to drum when they get closer and stuff so it's it's a cool it's a cool little gimmick works it works nicely and it's very creepy so yeah check out caveat definitely sounds interesting uh the only other thing i saw was the meddler this is directed by Lorene Scafaria, who also did Hustlers, which I enjoyed immensely. Seeking a Friend for the End of the World, which I did not really like. Um, this is on Netflix. This is Susan Sarandon playing a newly widowed. She, her, her daughter is Rose Byrne. They live in L.A. She moved out there from New Jersey. And... She's she's a meddler, right? She's she's got a she's just constantly in her daughter's business because that's all she has left. And uh, any person that she comes in contact with, she immediately gets in their business, tries to help, good intentions, all that. Um, it's a very lighthearted, uh, comedic type thing. It, it does get into some some more complicated territory with grief and the like. But for the most part, a lot of the comedy comes from Susan Sarandon. Just every person that she comes in contact with, she decides to help them in some way, whether they want it or not. And I got to say, because this really isn't the type of movie that I would normally watch, but she does a pretty damn good job of being that type of mother where she's just she always has advice whether you want it or not. And she's going to give it to you, and she's going to give you the number of the person. She's going to give you the background of the person. She's going to give you all the Google information, everything. And the the thing that helps her here is that she has a lot of money from her husband dying. He left her a ton of money. So she's just, she's spending it on everybody, whether to help him out. Uh, it's got a huge cast. J.K. Simmons is in there. He plays a love interest. Uh, Michael McKean, he wants to be a love interest. Uh, Jared Carmichael, that's the only thing that about this movie that's a little weird. Is he plays, uh, she's obsessed with Apple. She's always in the, the Apple store. And he's the, whatever the Apple, or the Apple employees are called. Geniuses? G- is that what it is? If he's at the Genius Bar, yeah. Okay, so I guess that's something that because she's constantly calling him a genius. Yeah. Oh, I get it. That's a good one. <laughs> that's, the, that's the only thing that's a little bit weird because she like starts helping him out. Like he goes back to school and she's like, I'm helping him out because he's from a poor neighborhood. And then like he has a brother that's also played by him that like buys drugs. And so, it's just weird because like he's really the only black character in the movie. So it's just really off putting. It's just bizarre. That's the only thing that's really like, eh, what the fuck is going on here? But uh, it's it's okay. It's not bad. Susan Sarandon does a good job. All right. That's the meddler. I didn't, I didn't have much of an interest in this when it came out. So I didn't, I, I didn't even know that this came out at any point. I didn't know that she directed it. She does. Susan Sarandon does get like super high at one point. And she says that her hands are loud. 
I like that. A lot of people I like in this. Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe someday. Nah, you don't go out of your way. <laughs> but if you happen to like watch it, it'll be all right. Let's talk about some releases in theaters. We have In the Heights coming out. Now, this is also going to be on HBO Max. But if uh-huh. you want the theater experience, it's going to be there for you. We also have Peter Rabbit 2, The Runaway. Okay. And that's, that's pretty much it for theaters. Interesting. Uh, we're still slowly, we're, you know, getting there slowly. I don't, I don't remember Peter Rabbit 1. <laughs> you don't? It was a long, I think it was a long time ago. <laughs> pretty pretty sure that one came apparently. out like a really long time ago. Oh, okay. I remember this. I didn't see it. I remember, wasn't there like, there was like some kind of controversy with it. Yeah, that's the only thing that I remember it being on my radar. I, I can't remember I, what the controversy what was, but I I re- yeah, I remember there was something. I do just like the idea of a rabbit with a jean jacket. Why not? <laughs> He's a cool rabbit. <laughs> uh, all right, let's take a look at what we have on VOD this week. On the 8th, we have Blackstock Boneyard. Ooh. This is based on an untold true story about brothers who were black farmers and they were forced to sell their land and wrongly executed a hundred years later they're back to avenge their deaths by killing the descendants of those responsible okay so it's sort of like a candy man type yeah. situation in the sounds of it All right. we have baphomet coming out this is uh, another horror movie it doesn't look great we got ebola rex coming out Terror is contagious. Mm-hmm. So it seems like it's about a T-Rex who has Ebola. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Postal coming out. This is uh, not related to the video game or the Uwe Boll Postal, although it is a dark comedy from the looks of it. We have Future Fear. It's a sci-fi, maybe a sci-fi horror movie. It looks like there's giant bug type creatures in it. Mm-hmm. You got mm-hmm. Good Funk coming out. A polyrhythm about shadows and kindness. Alright. This is a film that was shot in Red Hook and I believe that it, it was like some kind of project where they get like they gathered up. It was like all locals. So it was like every everybody local to, to Red Hook that they they got and it was like some sort of uh Part of some sort of like film program or something in Brooklyn. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, we have Upheaval. That's on the 9th. Uh, it's going to be a virtual theatrical release. And then we have Take Me Somewhere Nice on the 11th. And that is also a virtual release, virtual cinema release. We got Holler. And we have Wish Dragon, which is on Netflix. It's an animated one. We have a perfect enemy. We have Dream Horse. This is the one with uh, Tony Collette. Oh yeah, that's right. Dream Horse. Dream Horse. I'm just not into horses, man. Like I'm into like real life horses, but like movies about horses. No, I don't think I'm into real life horses either. What, what happens when you see a real life horse? <laughs> Nothing. I feel completely emotionless when I see a real life horse. I'm like, okay, there's a there's a horse. There it is. I see it. It's not like I hate them or anything. I don't dislike horses. I'm just not a horse dude. 
I'm not into horses. I just, <laughs> I just imagine you, like, if you're, like, driving by and there's horses, you look over and you're just like, oh, fuck off. <laughs> no, no, I, I, it's not a hatred. I'm just not, you know, a lot of people really love horses and I'm just not, not into them. I appreciate horses. They're, they're, they're fine. Like, they're cool. I don't know. Maybe I need to be around them more. Maybe, maybe I can, maybe I just haven't had enough exposure to horses. No, it's fine. I, I like, I like that you have a complete indifference to horses. Yeah. Uh, we have also on the 11th, we have Akila's escape. This is the one that is, uh, starring Saul Williams. Oh yeah, that's right. Saul Williams, man. Some really great music from him. Oh yeah. Oh, definitely. List of Demands, I think that was the name of it. Mm-hmm. That's, that, that, that song is still such a banger. Got Ladosis coming out on the 11th. We got Rogue Hostage. And uh, that's about it for VOD. Pretty, pretty heavy VOD week, but nothing that's like really speaking to me. Yeah, I hear you. Take, uh, Take Me Somewhere Nice looks like it could be pretty good. I actually saw that movie. Okay. It was like a year or so ago that was on movie. Mm. It's a it, story wise, narrative wise, it's okay, but uh, like visually, like every every scene is very interesting mm. in the way that they frame it, block it. Okay, Holler is also one that I think I could be into. I don't know if I'm in the right mindset right now because I just watched Mayor of Easttown, and I feel like that like a, that fills my quota of like poverty porn for a few mm-hmm. months mm-hmm. and holler takes place in southern ohio which is like pretty damn similar to uh pennsylvania in a lot of ways so i don't know we'll see all right let's take a look at what we have on blu-ray this week we have some kind of wonderful from 1987 we have final fantasy 7 advent children complete that's going to be on 4k uh, we got Ferris Bueller's Day Off. That's a 35-year anniversary edition. Jesus Christ, 35 years. 35 uh, years. That's crazy. Um, we have Son of the White Mare from 1981. That's not a Oh, criterion. my God. Is that a Criterion? No, oh, but okay. it's just, I mean, films, even just films in general. But animated films, that's like one of the greatest animated films of all time. Hands down. It's got a really awesome looking cover. Oh my god, it's fucking incredible. There you go. Check that out then. High praise from Kevin. We've got the stylist oh, coming out from earlier this year. We we covered this on the show. Arrow's putting this yeah. one out. Uh, Pretty in Pink from 1986. This is also a 35-year anniversary edition. We got uh, Puzzle from 1974. Hmm. A man with amnesia begins to think he may have lived a double life. Ooh. Finding Forrester from 2000 coming out. Sean Connery got uh, The Howl of the Devil from 1988. City of Lies from 2018. Hunting Ground from 1983. This is a, oh, it's a standard edition. <laughs> you, you rarely see I'm ones there. that come out that just say standard edition. Wow. Regular, the regular <laughs> version. Not even trying. Yeah. I just watched this for the first time not too long ago. It was pretty good. Uh, We have Lovebirds Unrated. Sorry, the Lovebirds Unrated. That's the Kamel Nanjiani one. We we reviewed that on the show, I believe. 
This is an unrated version. Yeah, evidently, I don't know what that means. Fucking break. It's a Netflix movie, so yeah. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> you don't have to worry about shit. It's on Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> That's you fucking weird. you. It's your movie. I guess they're they're re-adding all of the the full penetration scenes in that that one. Um. That's about it. What about Criterions this week? Uh, we have one, which is, it's been on the Criterion collection for a while, but it's just getting a, a redo, and that's The Human Condition from Kobayashi from uh, 1959. This is, this is uh, 575 minutes. This is a long-ass yeah. movie. That's a, that's a long one. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of like three movies, really. A trilogy kind of like smushed together. All right. But uh, yeah, so check that out. If you got 575 minutes to spare. Sure. Yeah, I do. Why not? All right. I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, consider reviewing us on iTunes. That would be extremely helpful. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name is Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week. 